We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is off a week hiatus. We didn't get to record anything for the Oregon State game, which, which, which was fine. I mean, it was it was it was the win. I mean, we can talk about that for a couple minutes before we we move on to the other game. But I would have loved to talk about that game. I just happened to listen to the whole thing on radio, and which... never found a video. So I feel like I would have contributed nothing. To the listeners, based around our qualifications, which oh. are very important these days. Apparently so. But my name's Rob. I'm one of the editors on the site, um, and my co-host, Andy. Um, is just a random person that Rob found on the street. Literally. I literally found him on the street. He was yeah. knocking on my door, and I said, you want to co-host the pod with me? And he said, sure. Yep. And, you know, we had birds chirping. We are singing, you know, Disney songs as we started working. Oh, boy. But yeah, um, we are back. Both of us are kind of tired today, which is why there's not real much of a, a pep in our step. What? Uh, <laughs> I have the biggest am, pep in my step right now. I have. I'm. I'm just. I just took like a 30 minute nap before we started recording, so like I'm not fully out of it yet. You got to bring the heat. <laughs> Come on, Rob. <laughs> yeah, everything's been in slow motion. Not for long. Not for long. We're back. We're back. All right. So, what a weekend of college football. Holy crap. Like, the Pac-12 as a whole turned upside down for the weekend. Everything is an option. <laughs> Everything is back on the table, as Wilcox says. Literally, literally any situa- any scenario is now back on the table. Um, I think the only option that's not on the table is Oregon State winning a Pac-12 championship. But other than that... Um, so before we go on to this UW Cal game that we watched <laughs> yesterday, how about we talk about that Oregon State game for a little bit, for a couple minutes? What were what were your thoughts after you heard or whatever you saw? I think it's important to talk about Oregon State in two two phases, which I will do so here. <laughs> One was just how dominant of a win that was on the road against an Oregon State team that. A lot of the dialogue after the game was, well, it was Oregon State, and they're basically an FCS team. And I actually think that's 
it's so much easier for me to say it now than then, but I've been make, I was making a case all week that Oregon State wasn't a team that was as bad as, as Idaho State or even anyone in, that's an FCS team. That Oregon State had hung in there against uh, you know, Washington State just the, you know, before they had a bye week before they played us, but uh, they're a good football program, and they have talented players. They run a, a complex offense that has been successful in conference for many years. And they can put a crooked number on the board. And defensively, we dominated that game. So it gave me a lot of confidence going into this week. I mean, combine that with the fact that when I looked at the Oregon State-Colorado score this week, it was 31 to 10. And I was like, wow, well, maybe they were just really bad. And Pretty on three at one point. 31-3, apparently. Yeah. Uh, And they won that football game and beat a Pac-12 opponent on the road. So... That wasn't a team that you know didn't have talent. Whether they had you know everything figured out, like clearly not. But our defense is incredible, and uh, we just executed. You just saw like their defense is terrible. You know, 124th in country. Um, you could just tell by the way that we were able to execute. The players had more space to operate in, and it just showed like we had better players. Um, in you know they're rebuilding the program, so I, I think that it was a game in which. We haven't seen Cal dominate those games in the sunny years. It would always be like we would play down to our competition, and we dominated that game. So it was great to see. I was walked away from it super confident, and now knowing the result of the that game and of what happened at Memorial Stadium yesterday, you know you can definitely say that that helps kind of steer the tide, get out of the storm, so to speak. Yeah, I think for me, more so than the defensive side, pouring on forty nine points. Uh, granted, not all of those points came from the offense, but I think the fact that we it gave our own guys confidence, right? It gave them the confidence to be able to say, hey, we can score like when we execute well. And I think that was huge going into this UW game. Granted, we didn't score an offensive touchdown, which we'll talk about later, um, but I think the offensive guys definitely had a little bit more confidence to say, hey, we... We can we can move the ball, like we we're not gonna go. We don't have to go three and out every single time. Like you know, the old, it gave the O line guys confidence. It gave Chase Garbers more confidence um, to make his reads. It it just I feel like it gelled the team at the perfect moment to be able to spur on going into this big U up game at home. And I I can't say it enough that the O line I think in particular was just superb over the last two weeks. Um, and I think particularly that Oregon state game just, just showed them the, just the blueprint of being like, Hey, this is how we play week in week out. And there's no defensive line that can beat us. Yeah. And clearly that happened in the, in the UW game as well. Oh, well, I mean, not, they didn't shut out UW, but they did enough to get us moving. Yeah. I guess I, I, I don't think I walked, you know, the O-line got beat on several three-man fronts in the yeah. Washington game that I think you kind of look at that and say, you know, give it a couple of years and that type of stuff probably stops happening. But overall, I think you're right. It's, it's an improvement, and Oregon State was definitely the improvement there. I think the O-line's played well. It's gone – they had a really bad rap against uh, Arizona – you know, because of everything that went wrong with all the noise and all that stuff. But I thought they actually played decently well against UCLA, even though it was a tough game to watch. 
uh, in regards to giving McElwain time. So now should we transition into the Washington game? Yeah. Any other remaining thoughts on the Oregon State game? Um, I think that's a good program. It's a well-coached team. Like, um, they have a bright future, in my opinion, with Jonathan Smith as their head coach. I, I think he's going to do a solid job for them. Plus, he played for them. So it's like, it's you know, it's... It's cool. He's he's going to take it personally upon himself, you know, to, to make this program back to what it was. Yeah. I'm glad they got a win. I mean, I just heard the radio side, so... But all the interviews they did pregame with all the announcers, you know, they have, they have a similar outlook on football as we do. Yeah. Which kind of, you know, hopefully we're going to change that. Um and so, you know, just sort of felt like I was actually pretty happy that they got a win. I'm happy they look good. You know, it makes us look better. Like, they got a win over Colorado. Sweet. That Colorado game looks mighty winnable at home. Yep. Uh, and there was a time when a lot of people were saying this team might not even win a single game left for the rest of the season. They didn't think we would beat Oregon State. They didn't think we had a shot against Washington. They didn't think we had a shot at any other game. Now every single game on the schedule looks like possible for Callaway. Yeah, I mean, judging with what everything happened, I I tweeted this out yesterday, was that our Arizona loss doesn't look as bad anymore with them crushing Oregon. And our Oregon State win looks a lot better now with them coming back to beat Colorado in overtime in Colorado. It's the Pac-12. I mean, we can talk about this as a segment. Like, I thought that I was pretty vocal in opposition to a lot of the negative stuff that came out after we lost to UCLA. And I'm not here trying to say like that. I didn't tweet out like, you know, a bunch of negative things (laughs) because I definitely did and was wondering how I had so badly missed on a team that I thought was going to win eight games and kind of take that next step. But I wasn't saying that, you know, that the program should be gone under you know go under and we shouldn't even be a football school we shouldn't even play the games and there's a lot of that going on there's a lot of you know firing everyone Wilcox isn't the right coach for the future and it's like one we're in year two and the second thing is we play in the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 the thing about this conference uh even over the SEC the SEC is kind of top heavy the Pac-12 for the last few years has felt open to any team which is why we've seen a variety of teams going to the championship game we haven't seen like the the big name teams like consistently like going off as much. Uh, and so that with parity means that realistically and early on, I think this was said, like Cal has a chance to win any game on the schedule. And we lost sight of that because we lost two games that we should have perhaps won. I think Arizona, I'd say it. And I still think we lose UCLA in any universe because I think coach as kind of had us dialed up, but regardless, I think that, uh, you know, we lost sight of that. And, it's also one of these things that we're going to lose sight of again because it's very possible that we lose to Washington State and it's very possible that we lose at USC and USC's down and then, you, you know, guess what? You're at five and five and the whole world's on fire and we're not going to win out. You know, like the same, the same dialogue can happen again. So I'm just trying to say, like, maybe let's not do that <laughs> and, you know, perhaps we can go and focus in on this uh, a little bit more of, like, not riding that roller coaster and looking at this team as one that has as good of a shot to beat any of the teams left on the schedule as well as the ability to lose all of those games. And that is a progression. Like, yeah. this team is better than what I saw out of all the years of Dykes in the regards to how it's coached technique, uh, game strategy. I, I think it's better. The offense is obviously not better, but you, you kind of have to take the whole package. Yep. So I'm taking into account special teams and also taking into account 
a historically bad defense that we saw with our historically great offense. Yeah, I think that's a great transition uh, to talk into going into this uh, Washington game. Washington ranked number 15 in the country. Um, but, yeah, the one the one little tidbit that I will say since, since you did mention Sonny Dykes, it took Sonny Dykes uh, four years to beat a ranked opponent. That was last year? It was last year when we played Texas at home. Yeah, and they were like wildly overrated. They were wildly they overrated, did, but yeah. but regardless, that was that was the first ranked team that he beat during his tenure here. Were they top ten? They were. I believe they were number yeah. ten. I think. Yeah. Um, Wilcox has beaten a ranked opponent at least one ranked opponent in his first year, and now his second year. Of course, both were Washington schools, but um, yeah, he's he's Dude, already he's already done that. He's already yeah. that's already off that's already ticked off the box. I mean, we barely beat. A freshman quarterback, Jake Browning, with Jared Goff and yeah, that was three NFL wide receivers. We won on a fourth down play with Goff on a roll, running out like and, eight yards yeah. <laughs> and lowering and his shoulder. Like, it barely beat a, a team that was fully in transition in Washington and didn't even sniff a win after that. Yeah. And we had talent, so it's like, yeah, I think I think this coaching staff is just way way better, and their expectations are higher than mediocrity. It's super exciting because I expected Wilcox to be pretty chummy in that press conference. Yeah. And he was pretty much as he has been all year, which is like, yeah, the guy's executed. They're believing in the process. We got to go out and do it again. And on to the next one. Like 24 hours, everyone celebrates. We're back to work on Monday. Yeah, it's kind of cool (laughs) to see. Uh, It's nice and refreshing. He reminds me a lot of Kyle Shanahan in the way that they talk to the press. I think Shanahan's better. Um, He talks a little bit more in depth about injuries and trade rumors and it's nice to have that candid approach but other than that like they actually talk and speak about the game very similarly yeah so let's move on we're, we're talking washington cal great day in berkeley by the way amazing amazing weather can't beat a three o'clock start really Three thirty. yeah Three thirty start thank you um, yeah <laughs> no wind you know whatsoever sun's nice and out but you know it's starting to set right behind memorial um, towards the bay, uh, it it was just a it was just a gorgeous day for for some football, but here we go. Number fifteen, Washington visits California. Washington uh, after this game now sits at six and three. Cal now sits at five and three. Cal wins twelve to ten. Twelve to ten. Yeah, it, it's not a baseball score. It's an actual football score. Twelve to ten. Um, Cal wins. Off of a 37-yard interception, a pick six by Evan Weaver. Um, the Bears did not score an offensive touchdown. I believe if the notes, if I remember the notes correctly, this is the first time since 1998, I believe they said, since Cal has won a game without scoring an offensive touchdown, which is incredible. Um, some stats. For you, Patrick Laird with 22 carries uh, for 83 yards, no touchdowns, but averaged 3.8 a carry. Uh, Chase Garbers was 16 of 23, 153 yards, uh, long of 20, was, but was sacked four times. Receiving-wise, Vic Warden, five receptions for 45 yards. Patrick Laird, four receptions for 28 yards. Ian Bunting, three receptions for 12 yards. Uh, defensively, there were so many stats to talk about here um and stay with me stay with me here on this all right evan weaver 
11 total tackles, one tackle for loss, one interception, and one breakup. Jordan Kanasich, eight total tackles, half a sack, a tackle for loss, a pass breakup, and a QB hurry. Ashton Davis, seven tackles, one tackle for loss, one breakup. Cameron Bynum, five tackles, half a sack, half a tackle for loss, one interception, one breakup. Alex Funches, four tackles, one sack, two tackles for loss, and a QB hurry. And then Jalen Hawkins, three tackles, one tackle for loss, and one pass breakup. Woo! So out of the defensive statistics, which ones are the most surprising to you? The tackles for loss. No question. Um, that's incredible. That's incredible that we had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We had eight different guys get in on a tackle for loss, whether it be a full tackle for loss or a half tackle for loss. That's that's incredible because we dropped them 39 yards back <laughs> in, some, in some form or fashion, uh, whether it was us getting into the backfield on a run or us, you know, on a QB scramble, somehow getting him down. Like, it, it's incredible how great the defensive line and, like, how how varied it is, right? You look, so it's a tackle for loss. So you see, you see Jordan Weaver and Jordan, or Evan Weaver and Jordan Kanasa, so linebackers. You see Ashton Davis, safety. You see Cameron Bynum, cornerback. You see Jalen Hawkins, safety. Uh, Luke Beckett, defensive line. Tevin Paul, defensive line. Like, you had all levels <laughs> of the defense Get back and get guys for tackle for loss. And I remember some of them, uh, for especially the Jalen Hawkins one, which was where he read the reverse properly. He stayed home and he just grabbed the the leg of the the wide receiver runner who was coming back on the reverse, and he he got it down and it was just it was played perfectly. It was epic. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh the my mem- goodness. The memorial roar was really great for considering how empty the stadium was yeah it was really weird right it felt one of the louder games that we've been to yeah yet it was very exciting it was only what 30 they said thirty-three thousand, i believe was, was the official count significantly less than yeah. ucla <laughs> yeah so, man washington showed up with a lot of fans yeah so yes great i actually love that pick so sorry to get us get us on a tangent but yeah. um i actually think that's exactly where i would go i'd say the sack numbers so my offensive preview is basically focused on their offensive line, yes. which has at least two guys that will go to the NFL next year and one that's pretty high up on draft boards. And then also uh, a, common, you know, a couple guys from Washington usually like to post, and they said that they use tight end sets in blocking teams too. So, and that's what makes them so effective is they just don't really give up that many sacks. The biggest Achilles heel for them has been kind of the Browning turnover ratio right now. Uh, but, you know, their effectiveness with Gaskin and then Ahmed and then uh, I can't remember the third guy's name, but, like, was really behind the line, and we just completely disrupted that. And we shut that offense down, like, outside of that first drive, which, you know, we basically also got them off the field and then, you know, roughing the passer. But the ability for our guys to, like, get those sacks and, like, when we were we were talking with Jeff MacArthur, which was another worldly moment, and Alex Funches made that massive sack, and Coach MacArthur was just as pumped as anybody up there. I mean, we're not allowed to celebrate in the press box, so he got a pass on that one. Um, but that those were the plays that I just thought were unreal and unexpected, really. And I just didn't didn't 
expect a team that struggled so mightily against the UCLA line to have made such a big leap uh, you know, before. And to their credit, like you've been calling out, hey, why are we rushing three? Why are we rushing three? We don't rush three that much anymore. Yeah. We tend to send four at the minimum. So uh, they made some adjustments and schemed them up. I mean, just look at this drive chart, right? Washington's first drive, right, was after we go three and out to start the game because, you know, they won the toss and deferred. They go down 14 plays, 64 yards, score a touchdown, but they had to convert a bunch of third and longs. And then on top of that, luck out on a fourth down off a roughing the passer call and gets first and goal. Like, I mean, they, they, I mean, Wilcox said it after uh, in the press conference where he said, he told the guys, like, hey, we're doing fine. Just get out on a three and out. Like, it doesn't have to be the first one, but we're getting them to third and, and long. We hold well on any of those and we get them off the field, we'll be fine. Like, they're not, they're not going, you know, on first and 10 going into a, a second and two, right? They're, they were like first and 10 and they would stay second and eight or second and 12 and it would just stay that way but going back to the drive charts like you go that after that touchdown it's an interception then a punt then a punt end of the half (laughs) what (laughs) and then the second half is turnover on downs punt interception punt punt field goal (laughs) should we talk about the field goal I feel like that was pivotal. Yes. So the reason why we talked about both are we of us talking? Wait, this. are we talking about the end of the end of the game, end of the half field goal for us? Is that what we're talking about? No. No. Which field goal are we talking about? Washington's field goal at the very end of the game. Yeah. Yes. So the reason why I felt like when I was walking away from the stadium, like that play kind of stood out to me, was because of you know how when we were pinned deep, we just didn't look like we could possibly get out of that situation on offense. Yeah. You know, it was like we were running the ball and just completely unable. And, you know, we had that one throw by Garbers that he just got to Noah, yeah, which was mighty nerve-wracking. So if Ashton Davis picks off that ball yes, uh, and we're down at the, let's call it the six-yard line. That's pretty much, that's, that's pretty much correct. We would definitely not have... Uh, I, I I think we would have been in one of those situations where Washington might have gotten the ball back. I can't definitively say that we wouldn't have gotten a first down, but I do think being backed up again in a you know sub ten uh, with the offense, like we're just we were not comfortable letting Garbers really pass out of those situations. Well, I mean, if we're on our six yard line, we're pretty much running a handoff at our goal line. Yep. And I would not have been comfortable with that. So by Davis accidentally not, or by the Washington player who made the really nice play to strip the ball out. And thank goodness that wasn't a fumble because boy, that would have been the most Cal thing ever. Uh, then we, they kick the field goal and all of a sudden Cal gets better, you know, position. And then the offense kind of loosens up, gets three first downs, we win the football game. Crazy. Crazy. But I actually think that that field goal enabled us to win the football game. I don't know if uh, you watched the, uh, the press conference with Patrick Laird and Chase Garbers. But Patrick Laird talks about 
um, the offensive line, and he said that the five of them got together in a little powwow right before they went onto the field for that final drive. And with each other, just the five of them, were saying two first downs. That's all we need. Two first downs. That's 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 all we need to get, and that's what they kept telling themselves. And Patrick Laird also said that he tried to get in on that huddle, you know, on that little thing, but they wouldn't let him in. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think that was huge. They knew what they needed to get done. I think that was. I think that's the big thing for this team is that this team needs goals. They need they need benchmarks to be set, and the offensive line for them to tell themselves that's what we need. Two first downs. We don't need to do anything else. And boy, oh boy, did they open some nice running lanes for Patrick Laird and Chase Garbers. And they did just that. They got enough first downs for us to run that delayed delayed knee with Garbers with 42 seconds left to, to seal the win. Yeah. That was awesome. It was really, I mean, the first series was the most nerve-wracking, I think, because you had Garbers on the two... I don't know if like the play call for him was like to drop back to try and catch him off guard because they were probably expecting the run and then just a designed run after the drop back, like a delay almost. But you know, those were the first couple. I felt like we were getting like three, three, and then we had that third down that Laird converted, and that was just massive. And then he was getting five, six, and then it just started to feel like you know it was fast. It was the th- fast. The was thing, like, yeah, yeah. The, I think the thing with Garbers now too is that. He's getting more comfortable and they're not forcing him to throw because they have to respect our run game. Like they have to respect Laird now because over the last couple of weeks, he has been, he's been running insanely well. So now that you have to respect that you're, you're giving a little bit more options for Garbers to throw. And I think now he's in that comfort zone because he's making multiple reads he doesn't see anything now. He takes off. He had that incredible step juke, by the way, mm-hmm. and like one plant. And then, oh my, oh my goodness, <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was a beauty of a juke. I believe Cal football Twitter tweeted out the whoop. Yeah, <laughs> that's perfect. Which was a per- yeah, it was it was absolutely perfect. So his biggest, I thought. What would have like really propelled me into the garbage train? Uh, <laughs> Would have been him completing that fade. Was it a fade or a go route that Laird ran? It just just underthrew him. Just underthrew him. Put that if you put that ball a little less loft on that ball and then a little deeper in the end zone, like that's a touchdown. That's six right there. Yeah. Um, outside of that, there weren't really that many plays like that where it sort of felt. Um, but he yeah he played really well. He's doing. What Ross did last year with an added element of being able to run with the ball, yeah, and a, it is a little less turnover prone. Yeah, he's taking the big shots when he sees it fully open, but he's not he's not gunslinging it like Ross did, like at that U, in that USC game or in the Stanford game. You know, like he tried to win the game for us with his arm. I don't think Garbers is doing that. I think Garbers knows his limitations, like experience wise, um, and you know just. I think he he knows like what throws he can make, what throws he can't can't make, and he's making sure he stays within that realm, and just so that this game is managed. And he knows how much, what how many weapons he has. You know, like he's letting those guys, those experienced guys on the outside, like Wharton and Noah and and Laird, letting them make the plays um, to get us the first downs and, and the yards. 
So, man, um, one thing I do want to talk about is Mr. Will Craig has said, hi, I'm here. <laughs> I will be your left tackle for the next three years. Um, the dude is amazing. The dude, oh my goodness. Um, I, I rewatched a little bit of the game, and boy, oh boy, he did not get uh, beat by his man. It's it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, he's the, awesome. I think he's he's. I mean, we have our left tackle for the next three to four years, which is such a blessing <laughs> that that position is now now totally filled up. Which means that now when Safel comes back next year, we can plug him into a different spot, right? And we can that O line is only going to get better and ridiculously good. Oh, I love Coach Greatwood. I love this O-line. So, Rage, uh, Reggie McKenzie was in the box. Yes. We did Do see you him. think he was there to scout UW or Cal players? Because <laughs> you know they're going defense in the draft. From what I understand and from what I heard was that he was watching the DBs for us. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so... Who knows? I mean, it's it's John Gruden. I mean, he's he's. They're gonna have to pick who John Gruden. And I tweeted this out. Uh, Gruden loves last, corners. I know, but I tweeted this out. It'd be the most it'd be the most Gruden thing for, and the Raider thing right now is that Reggie McKenzie nominates or says, "Hey, I think the best option for us right now is Cam Bynum," and Gruden overrules him and drafts Jake Browning. <laughs> Because Jake Browning's a Gruden grinder. Yes, he is. <laughs> Gruden, he loves Gruden. all quarterbacks yeah. that came out of college. <laughs> I mean, but but let's let's talk about just the score overall of this game. Like twelve to ten off a defensive touchdown. It felt so appropriate. It felt perfectly like a microcosm of our season. We're going to win because of our defense. Like, we've been saying that for for weeks, and it finally we won because of our defense. And it, it's really hard to fault the offense too much because Washington's defense is just as good. If not better. Yeah. Statistically, at least. Yeah. So that's the thing about this game. It's like, yeah, we're definitely cognitively annoyed. Absolutely not paying attention to the fact that our offense didn't score a touchdown. (laughs) And uh, we're doing so fully knowing and I think giving a pass because of how good the Washington defense is. I mean, this is exactly the type of game that is winnable on our schedule because of the fact, because of the way that, you know, Washington plays and because of how we match up. Uh, You know, if if there was another team, I kind of look at the Stanford team and I'm like, Man, like that's the game that I've kind of paid right now. I'm like, that's a winnable football game. You know, like, like USC, I never know what's going to happen. I just can't predict that one. And then Washington State, their offense is really good, so I'm a little intimidated. But like the Stanford game, I look at is like they run a similar type of offense, and a and their defense is not nearly as good. So that's the one that I sort of peg. And the reason why is because exactly what you said: our defense can keep us in any games, but with their defense kind of giving up more space. And we've seen our offense be able to put up 
Yeah. Oh, I'm not going to say the 40, 49 or whatever, 42 yeah. points, it's, but it's going to be, you know, 28, 20, something like Somewhere that. Somewhere in the high 20s, yeah. mid, mid high 20s. So, uh, full pass on the Washington game. Their linebackers are as good as ours, if not better. Some of the best in the country. Uh, the leading tackler in the country. Uh, probably the, one of the best linebackers in the country is on Washington. Like, they got so much pressure with a three-man rush. It was absurd. Their DBs are really strong, and they absolutely ate up you know, most of our wide receivers. We could badly use some recruits at the wide receiver position next year. Like, we so badly need it. But we did everything right, and that's what feels like. It was a 12-10 to 10 game, and like some people came up to me and were like, oh, 12-10, to 10, what the heck is that? And I was like, you know what? It was exactly as it should have been. It's, and I was good with it. I, I, I honestly felt that the way this game went – this was the only way we were going to win it. Like, realistically, this, this, the way that, like, exactly how this game went was the only scenario in which we could have won this game. Barring, like, some, you know, miracle Hail Mary or something like that. Um, you know, just, just uh, start to finish. This is the type of game that we need to win and the style in which we will, we are going to win. Let me ask you this. Statistically, offensively, for both teams, who do you think had the advantage? Uh, and I know, I know we did. For uh, actually, when I looked up in the third quarter, I think we had more total yards. Uh, and so, I actually think we probably, yeah, I would say Cal. You say Cal? Yeah. Washington and Cal, first downs. Washington thirteen, Cal fourteen. Check one for Andy on that. Yep. <laughs> rushing out of those out of those first downs, Washington had four rushing and eight passing. Cal had six rushing and eight passing. That's many, surprising. Yeah, that's very surprising. How many rushing yards do you think both teams had? So I don't even know if I saw another running back in the game besides Laird. So I'm assuming we had somewhere around 85 yards, unless they include Garber's stats in that. So. I guess maybe around 100. I can't imagine Washington had more than 50 yards rushing. Washington had 91 rushing yards. That's still minuscule. Cal had 91 rushing yards. Wow. <laughs> how, many, how many passing yards do you think Cal, uh, Cal and Washington had? Okay, passing yards. Garbers had what? 153? So, Washington, 115? Cal had 151 passing yards. Washington had 159. So, if you if you're gonna go purely off of those stats, this was this was an equal game. Yeah, (laughs) this was this was offensively, it was a level playing field. Yeah. Okay, that's what it came down to. But the X factor was our defense capitalized and got. Two turnovers, one of which which turned into a touchdown. That's what won the game for us. Yep. <laughs> so okay, so let's go to that. Um, in the third quarter, Jake Browning gets replaced. Oof. Let's put on the Washington hat. And what were your thoughts, like overall, just on whatever was going on with that? I. I don't know how to explain it because when I came home 
because we don't we didn't see anything that happened on the sideline, right? Because we're in the press box, we don't get to see all that TV stuff. When I came home and I I watched the highlights of the game, when he was pulled, the camera go pans to the sideline of Washington, and it clearly shows Peterson's back to him, Browning's helmet's off, and uh, clearly they had just finished some sort of conversation between the two, and Peterson was walking away, and Browning mouths why. Like at Peterson. So there's some sort of discord there between the two where Browning's still not understanding why he was taken out of the game and put in for the guy who threw a pick six on his first pass attempt (laughs) and subsequently was benched (laughs) for Browning uh, back in. But I think... It's it's weird. It's a weird situation here because Browning was so good for Peterson the first two years, and then starting year three and year four, slowly regressed um, into making some bad bad decisions and some really terrible habits. Like especially like throwing off his back foot yeah. if he gets any type of pressure on him. Oh my goodness! But I think the big yeah that is. As Coog Center puts it, our other executive producer. Uh, oh, but Phoebe. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is a snoring, really cute dog. Yeah. <laughs> I wondering. Yeah. Uh, but I think the thing with Browning is that, wow, I might need to move her, um, is that she, he, he was Peterson's, like, jewel when he first got there. And now he's not playing that well. So I think... They just have to, they, Peterson needed to do something to get this offense going. And there's that, there's that thing between like being a mentor and like, you know, your, your prize player versus having to manage the, the football team. And it just got to that point where they needed a change. Yeah. It's even weirder having listened to the pregame radio show. So the pregame radio show, uh, they talked to I, w- only who I assume would be like the Washington play-by-play announcer and the Washington play-by-play announcer and then reiterated by like either, I think it was Starkey actually, uh, were saying that there's no other person that Peter Chris Peterson has said, like there's no other person I'd go into battle with than Jake Browning. They're like, he's his guy, one of his favorites, and he's the leader of this team. So that's all we heard about. I think it was actually Pawlowski and Starkey that were talking about this. And and then, so to have that, it just is so, it's such a weird decision. Because, like, <coughs> there, I didn't think there was any element of what Jake Browning was doing that was enabling the Cal defense to be affected. Like, I don't think, I couldn't place the blame on him at all. And then the decision so clearly backfired. I mean, you put this guy in the game, Evan Weaver, Reaver reads him, like gets the depth, and then makes the pick, and that's how he scored. And if he knew, even if he didn't you know, score the touchdown, we're probably punching that ball in. Um, you know, probably punching the ball in. So for a touchdown after that with short yardage in their, in their territory. So, I mean, it, I legitimately think it cost them, it cost them the game. I'm not saying that we wouldn't have found a way to score otherwise, but you know, it just so happened that that decision was just 
It was really bizarre. And I do agree that Browning has regressed, but he's still he's a four-year starter who's been incredible with all of the passing records. Like, you're literally going to pull this guy out of the game. Like, <laughs> just stick with your dude. Like, I don't know. I It would be like the equivalent of Wilcox pulling out Jared Goff in a game that the offense was being affected in and all of us having to be like, what are you thinking? Like, you know, if, if in that situation Wilcox had been able to coach Goff, so... I cannot fathom it from the UW side. I'm sure their site is just going to be like, why? Yeah, why did we do that? Yeah. Why? Why? Why, Peterson? Why? And they don't say that much up there. They don't. No, they, they, tend, to, they tend to be pretty quiet, which is not bad. It's not a bad thing. They're so lucky. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They've been amazing. <laughs> we would be so lucky to have that level of success. So, all right. One thing I do want to touch upon before we before we move on to like a semi-preview of Washington State, is the tight ends have appeared out of nowhere this game, right? You saw those those long balls to Ray Hudson. Um, Ian Bunting showed up in a pretty good way. And is it's weird that it took this long to finally see them get, you know, playing time into it. Um, we saw McAllen Castles play... Uh, in the Oregon State game, and he was wide open for a would-be touchdown, but they threw in another direction. But, um, yeah, I mean, do you think that this is maybe the start of seeing a lot more plays with our tight ends? I'd hope so. It was the first thing that Wilcox kind of talked about in his press conference when he was hired, was bringing back the tight end. I thought it was great to see Ray Hudson. He's been forgotten i believe a line in the press box was i kind of forgot that he existed and then bunting's just been solid he's like a big target blocks well catches the ball well uh so i don't know it's tough tough to say i mean the real question is like i think how frequently would we use the tight end against a team like stanford you know are we gonna give them a taste of their own medicine um I'm not sure. I think it's a good progression to see. Um, I would really like to, I'd more prefer to see our, a better production from our outside wide receivers. And like the Jordan Duncan injury definitely hurts because uh, it's, he kind of basically was there for most of McElwain rather than Garber. So it's now that you have someone that can actually throw a ball in the vicinity of a receiver downfield, like it would have been kind of fun to see, you know, him there. So I think overall, I guess, like, if the question is really just how excited, like, do I think we're, how excited I am and or how often do I think we'll use them? I guess I'm moderately excited and I was pleased that we used them, but I don't know if, like, I have the same momentum on it. Like, I I do feel your hype, though, for McAllen Castle. Like, he's awesome. He's going to be the real deal. All right. So let's give out our awards. All right. Who... Who's your uh, who's your offensive MVP for this game? I th- I mean I just think it's Patrick Laird. Um, he was he was great and uh, re- I mean he won the game. He won the game. Finished finished out that drive. He held on the football. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my pick. I'm gonna give it to Chase because he did exactly what we needed to do, which was not turn the ball over. And we did not turn the ball over a single time. We did have a fumble, but we got it back. Yep. 
So thank you, Addison Dooms, for jumping onto that ball. <laughs> and Vic Wharton on the weird kick. The weird special oh, teams weird play. special teams where we like ran into each other and yeah. dropped the ball. And yeah, that was a weird sequence. All right, your defensive MVP. Well, I, there's, there's so, so many <laughs> options here. So I uh, MVP Weaver. I mean, you, you want us the game? Want us the game? Um, dark horse MVP. Funches. <laughs> He's always in the backfield. I love that guy. He was an under-the-radar recruit. Like, he wasn't three stars. And he, I just, he's so good. And it's so fun because <laughs> he has, like, the flying Hawaiian, like, you know, he's not Hawaiian, but he has the he's hair that comes the out of the back. Yeah. And it's just awesome when he flies around the field. You, I mean, you see him back there, and he's he was collapsing the, the pocket a lot. So when he wasn't, you know, like, getting an actual sack or tackle for loss, like, the pocket was collapsing very quickly around him so yeah if he didn't if he didn't have a semi-mobile quarterback like browning he would have had like four sacks in this game because he was he was running all around the edge like from behind him quite a few times but they got the ball out or he would step up into the pocket so it's intriguing it's intriguing to see what he might do against washington state yeah it's very intriguing uh my defensive mvp i think it's jalen i I'm going to say Jalen, just because, man, that reverse handoff stop was just superb. And the fact that he finally had a clean game, like not that he not that he played dirty, but he had a streak, you know, over the last three games or so where he got called for targeting. Um, and I think he, he he learned from it and he knows what not to do. It's not like he was malicious and trying to rip someone's head off. It's just... You know, he came in on a tackle late and the guy was giving himself up when he was already in his motion to tackle. And the refs are just going to call the tarting call. So. And if you guys, if anyone's listening that doesn't know this, he's an exceptional person. Yeah. And he's incredibly well spoken. Uh, and I, I just think you nailed it. Like, he's a smart player. Yeah. Can't, yeah. They're going to call it by the book, the refs are. So, what can you do? But, man, the dude is super athletic. Uh, do we have a special teams MVP? Um, I'm giving it to Coots because some of his punts were ridiculous. <laughs> Just Yeah, he had a couple good ones. Holy a crap. Or all right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'll give mine to Ashton Davis. That he had that one. Turn. I thought he could have housed it. So did you, I think. Yeah. Um, he just ran straight into the <laughs> kicker. What Our team, like... <laughs> Laird was also one-on-one with the guy and just ran directly into him. <laughs> like, apparently, that is the strategy. If, like, if there's one guy to beat... Man, truck him. Don't, yeah, <laughs> truck him. Like, don't bother to dance. Just run them over. And so far, it hasn't really worked, but that kickoff return was big. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind that mentality of like if you're one-on-one, don't dance around. Because the more you dance around, the, the more time... Yeah, and the more time it gives for other defenders to catch up yeah. to you. If you just go straight through them, like, who knows what happens? Maybe he gets out of the way. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're not expecting <laughs> Yeah, maybe they're not expecting They're like, what? Wait, what just happened? Um, all right. Do you have a player that you feel like needs to improve somewhat for next week? A comeback player. A bounce back player yeah, for next give week. give me any of the wide receivers, really. I think, uh, I don't know. I'd, I don't know what Vic Wharton gives us on the outside. I cannot peg that guy. 
Uh, I think that some games it looks like he can be that vertical threat, and other games he just gets totally blanketed, and I just can't tell. And um, I, I would love to see some level of a weapon on offense for a quarterback to throw to downfield. And it just tends to be layered is the one that we seem to get loose, you know, even against Oregon State. So yeah. um, we need to get Jeremiah Hawkins more involved. Jeremiah Hawkins would be great if Jordan Duncan was, you know, maybe it was just an appendectomy and maybe he's back. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Bounce <laughs> <laughs> is a surgery. <laughs> what about you? Um, bounce back player. I think it has to be the interior D lineman. I think they played well. Um, but if we can get one or two of those guys to just eat up some interior offensive linemen and stop the run through the middle, that can open up so many more avenues of just more diverse play calling, like defensively. Um, we wouldn't have to zone in and, and keep our inside linebackers so strapped towards the middle of the field and just right directly in front of the ball. Um, that just that You can just mask a lot more. If you're able to do that, I mean, case in point, as you look at the L.A. Rams, you know, with Donald and and Sue holding down the middle, that way your linebackers can roam a little bit more, do a little more things um, in the run game. So, yeah, that's that's my guy. Um, I think that's all of our awards, right? Sweet. Washington State preview. Yeah, let's talk about Washington State for a few minutes. I honestly believe Garner Minshew should be on the Heisman ballot right now, or at least like in the top five. Um, the dude is playing out of his mind. He's he is really good, and the crazier part is he's more mobile than any of the other quarterbacks they've ever had under Leach. So you have a guy who can throw like Falk, but at the same time. Can, I mean, he's not running off like a Khalil Tate, but he'll he'll move enough to either make a play downfield or he'll run out of bounds and get you two or three yards on a broken play. I think that's a huge problem for our defense. Yeah. Because it looks probably a lot like what Oregon looked like. He yeah. might be the best quarterback we play this year. No way. I think so. No way. I think so. No <laughs> way. No way, no way, no way. Okay, no moving, way. moving on, moving on. It's a contested, <laughs> contested argument here. All right, but let's 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 just look at the two matchups. All right. Yeah. How do you think our offense matches up against their defense? They lost Grinch. They brought in Tracy Clays. It doesn't look like they really lost the set. They also lost Hercules Madafa. Right. Um, they're they're big defensive yeah, linemen. So or no, it wasn't it wasn't big, but he was just really good. Um, and yeah, I mean, they're all, their defense is still doing enough for them to win games. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I'd look at them and say, like, there's nothing about their defense that necessarily scares me. Yeah. And so I think we'll have, I think the offense will feel like, okay, this is going to be a lot easier than Washington. <laughs> so I think there'll be some a little bit of relief when they're in a little more space and the line is a playing like it plays a little bit better and you know the wide receivers aren't as bottled up. So I think in that regard it's an opportunity for us. I mean they're just giving up a ton of points to like Stanford, they're giving a ton of points to Oregon State. You know, Oregon State I think dropped 30 plus 35 plus or maybe even 40 points against them. Um so I think that they're gettable. 
the big concern is for me is exactly what you said. The other side, their offense against our defense. In it's it's the strength of our team, and it's like where we have to win the football game, and it's what you and I have said all all year. And so we're going to win the game based around how well our defense plays. But I just think even when Browning was running, like think about those third down situations on that first drive, like they converted the third down when Browning got outside the pocket. We are still not that great against those mobile quarterbacks, and it just seems to bite us at the wrong times. So I hope that's not the case. Um, If it was at home, I'd feel entirely differently about this game. I'd probably even go as far as saying I think we could win. But we're playing in Pullman. Yeah, playing up in Washington State. Like, you know, if Arizona was a tough assignment for us to go to on the road, good luck, boys. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to be a little harder up there. It's going to be super loud. um, Sold out. They're like top 10 team or. Yeah, somewhere in there. But I, so I just recorded the podcast with Kook Center just now before we started recording. And. They were saying that um, Cal's defense, at least from SNP rating, is the best defense they'll they have faced so far this season. So I think that's the element of surprise we might have, where they don't know how good we are. Like they can they can watch all the tape they want and prep for us as much as they want, but if they haven't played a level of defense somewhat up to par then they're just not going to know like what it what it feels like when they play us out on the field especially more so because i feel like we destroyed that team defensively last year when they played here and we're going up and we're playing pretty much the same team except you know quarterback change of course and this defense has grown another year together and i think that's where this gets scarier is cuz I haven't fully looked at the tape, but I do feel like our packages, like our blitz blitzes and like where guys are coming from and just their experience on how to take certain angles for certain certain calls has gotten vastly better. And if that's the case, then Washington State's going to be – their offense hasn't changed. It's the same thing, right? But it's just so, it's so effective because they space out everyone so well. If we lock down one or two of their outside guys – and funnel everything inside, that's where we're going to win the game. And I said this on the Kook Center pod, is that the way Cal wins this game is you know Cameron Bynum and Elijah Hicks are going to lock down those guys on the outside. Because they have some good wide receivers, but none of them are like super, super speed threats like we played against Oregon. Right? They're not one of those guys that can just burn you down the field. So you take away that threat and you funnel everything inside, which means... Spacing-wise, it's going to be all based on drag routes and underneath routes, mm-hmm. which they use to get that to to get those small yards and those those little pockets of space. Yeah. Then Evan Weaver and Jordan Kanasich are going to have to take on those duties. They're going to have to take on those those inside uh, run patterns. And is, if they can take it away, they have nothing. Oregon State runs. Somewhat. somewhat of a similar offense yeah. and we did just fine against it so i feel good yeah but we'll see different quarterbacks for sure yeah <laughs> carter Minshew is yeah easily I, it's a it's gonna be a tough game uh, could easily see us losing this game but i think usc is way more gettable and uh that's kind of crazy to say and yeah we said i said this or i was talking to nam after last night's game. And we stayed up for like an hour, just like, you know, just on our Slack channel, just talking to one another. And 
We're like the rest of the season. This is super weird for me to say. We could win out the rest of the year. We could also lose out the rest of the year. Like it's so weird because of like the Pac-12 schedule and like who we're playing that either of those are possible. (laughs) And hopefully it's a mix. I'm just hoping for either a mix or we win out. That'd be incredible. (laughs) Like six or seven wins. Like seven wins would be super dope. Uh, You know, like a give me a big game win, and you know maybe a win against Colorado or throw in a win against SC. I think the big thing. I think the big thing for us is let's get to six wins first, which we're almost there. We just need one more, because as soon as we get six wins and we're bowl eligible, loose, then we're playing with house money. No pressure. Yeah, Yeah. we're playing with house money at that point. Yep, and that's where it gets interesting. Yep, super interesting. All right, that wraps it up for us uh, here. Um, Andy has his preview post going up later this week. Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning, as usual. Um, I'll have some stuff this week, too. Basketball season actually starts this coming Tuesday. We have an exhibition game at home. Crazy. And then... Is it the first October in the last five years where someone hasn't tweeted, well, at least it's basketball season? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we have our first exhibition game on Tuesday. And then I think the team flies out Wednesday or Thursday... Hawaii? No, we're playing in Shanghai. We're oh, playing Shanghai. Yale in oh, yeah. Shanghai. That's our season opener. Game. Oh, yeah. And we're going to have Terrence there, right? Yep. Yep. Terrence out there. Uh, so, yeah. So, be on the lookout for more basketball stuff now incoming. So, uh, what's the deal with the five-star? Are we going to get him? Which one? We could just end there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leave on su- a very uh, suspenseful note. Yeah. All right. Well, as, as I said, that wraps it up. Wraps it up for us here on the Golden Blogs podcast, the Bearcast, presented by the Booth Brewing. Follow your fun. Follow your fun. And as always, go Bears. Go Bears. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.